Welcome to Friends in Fiction, five best-selling authors, endless stories. Friends in Fiction is a podcast with five best-selling novelists whose common love of reading, writing, and independent bookstores bound them together with chats, author interviews, and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing, these friends discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Best-selling novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, Patty Callahan Henry, and Mary Alice Monroe are five longtime friends with more than 80 published books to their credit. At the start of the pandemic, they got together for a virtual happy hour to talk about their books, their favorite bookstores, writing, reading, and publishing in this new uncharted territory. They're still talking, and they've added fascinating discussions with other best-selling novelists. So join them live on their Friends and Fiction Facebook group page every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern, or listen and view later at your leisure. Hello. Welcome, everybody. It's wonderful Wednesday night, which means it's time for Friends and Fiction, five best-selling novelists, endless stories. I'm Mary Kay Andrews, and I am so excited. I'm hosting my friend Charlene Harris tonight. And my latest novel is Hello, Summer. Hi, I'm Kristen Harmel, and my latest novel is The Book of Lost Name. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey, and my latest book is Feels Like Falling. And if Christy just went, that means I go. (laughs) (laughs) And my latest novel is Becoming Mrs. Lewis. I'm Mary Alice Monroe, and my latest novel is On Ocean Boulevard. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with us tonight on Wednesday nights, as always, I hope. Tonight, we have the amazing Charlene Harris as our guest. And what can I say about the woman who, well, if she didn't invent it, certainly she put the urban fantasy genre on the map. Charlene's latest book is the second in her Gunny Rose series, A Longer Fall. And the third in this series, The Russian Cage, will be out in January. Um, yeah, there it is. There is a longer fall, which is out um, now. Now, um, I have known Charlene since the earliest days of my own publishing journey when we were both writing mystery and serving on the board of an organization called Sisters in Crime. And to be perfectly honest, I seem to remember being around her at a mystery conference in the late 90s and hearing Charlene talking about writing a series about a southern barmaid <laughs> out with vampires. And I thought to myself, yeah, like, that's going to sell. That'll never work. I love that. I love that. That's me dining on crow. <laughs> so um, before... Uh, Back way back, Charlene published two standalone mysteries before starting her series about a librarian sleuth, Aurora Tea Garden. Fun fact number one, Charlene's mother was a former librarian in 1990. Wait, Aurora came out in 1990, the first one. She was born in Tunica, Mississippi and attended Rhodes College in Memphis. So I think that qualifies her to be a Rhodes Scholar. (laughs) (laughs) 
Her series include the Aurora Tea Garden Mysteries, the Lily Bard Mysteries, the Sookie Stackhouse Urban Fantasies, the Harper Connolly Urban Fantasies, the Midnight Texas Novels, the Cemetery Girl Graphic Novels with Christopher Golden, and the Gunny Rose book set in, al in an alter alternate history America. Um, Charlene has also written many ghost short stories, and together with her good buddy, Tony Kellner, she edited seven themed anthologies and had a lot of fun doing it. The television series nobody's ever heard of called True Blood was based on Charlene's Spooky Stack House novels. And Hallmark Movies and Mysteries is still showing a series of movies created about the Aurora Tea Garden character. And, the, and I think maybe she has some news about that I read. And for two seasons, Midnight Texas was on the air, I think NBC. And two of her other series are in production. Good Lord. Yeah, I, I know. Slacker. I know. Can <laughs> <laughs> you get somebody more accomplished to come on? <laughs> <laughs> back number two. At one point, I think maybe 2010, all nine of her then Sookie Stackhouse novels were on the New York Times bestseller list in the same week. Charlene lives with her beloveds, her husband Hal, and a bunch of rescue dogs on a cliff overlooking the Brazos River. And she has three grown children and some dogs and a couple of extraordinary grandchildren. I can't wait to talk to Charlene about the kick-ass protagonist of her latest Gunny Rose series and her other books. But in the meantime, our own Mary Alice Monroe has a very special show and tell for us tonight. Oh, thank you, Ken. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. Yeah. Well, on Friends in Fiction, it's always special when one of us gets to re reveal our book cover. And it's always exclusive. I want y'all to know we do this for our Friends in Fiction audience. So this is exciting. I have a May 11th book and it's called Thank You, Kristen Harmel, who, who came up with the title. Oh, that's a great title. Thank you, I love that. It's a great title, The Summer of Lost and Found. So as you know, our there. Yay! Yay! That's beautiful. I am so, I'm going to turn this around. I love this cover. I love the summer. It's it's not summer now, but think summer. So I love it. And as you know, I write about families. And this story is about how over the past summer, actually since spring, I've really noticed the impact of the all of us being shut in on families. You know, we've had COVID couples, we have mothers going crazy because their kids are home. We have uh, marriages tested, new relationships, broken relationships. I understand there's a lot of uh, turmoil, but there's also really wonderful things happening. And so I love this story and I love the title. Thank you, Kristen, because what I'm really writing about in this book is that even though there were things lost, in this season. There were also some really wonderful things found. And I think that we've all discovered as we've talked about, about things that we want to carry with us beyond. So I'm really excited. Everyone who orders a copy or pre-orders a copy tonight from the bookstore, Murder by the Book, will get one of the koozies. I know we have the koozies. Yay! <laughs> a Friends in Fiction koozie, which is a really popular item. So if you order tonight, you'll get not only the 10% discount, but that. And also anybody who orders anytime, anywhere. We had a really wonderful artist in Charleston called Harrison um, Harrison Shackelford. And here's her. Oop, can you see it? 
Oh, yeah. She made an original drawing. Actually, here's the painting. It's really, isn't that gorgeous? She made oh, an yeah. original turtle. I really love it. You know, we love our turtles, but she made that for us. And everyone, this is a beautiful cardstock from a printer in Charleston. And if you pre-order the book, you will get that. So anywhere, you go to my Facebook page, you go to um, anywhere, Instagram, my website, and all the information will be there. So yay, I'm out. I'm public. I've come out. <laughs> Thank you. It was a good, it's fun. I mean, this is an exciting moment for all of us, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it truly is. Yeah, yeah. congratulations. Yeah, so as Morialis uh, mentioned, our uh, indie bookstore this week is Murder by the Book. Now, as you know, back when we started back in April, part of our mission was to support indie bookstores like Murder by the Books, which was chosen by Charlene. It's one of the nation's oldest and largest mystery specialty bookstores. It was established in 1980 by Martha Farrington and purchased by our friend McKenna Jordan in 20, 2009. The store stocks over 25,000 books, new and used, hardbacks and paperbacks, first editions, collectibles, gift items, mystery magazines, and they did a lot of great jigsaw puzzles. If you, if you love jigsaw puzzles, check out uh, Murder by the Books website. Um. Fun fact number three, Murder by the Book was one of the first stores that hosted me on tour for my very first book in 1992. And they have hosted all the greats of genre fiction. So tonight we're offering 10% off on all of our books and, of course, Charlene's and I think pre-ordering. So I think we're about ready to bring, are we ready to bring in Charlene? Yes. Yeah. 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 No, no, Charlene, I have to play your walk-on music. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My roll-on music. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's brings back a lot of memories. Every shadow filled up with doubt. We loved hearing that music. That meant the show was on. <laughs> you are the first person who's ever been had walk-on music. So, yeah, that, that was a surprise to me too. <laughs> but that that show um, really did. I learned so much that I never expected to have to know. Frankly. Uh, <laughs> And I learned a lot about Hollywood. I learned a lot about mm -hmm. actors. I learned, I just learned a lot. Uh, most of it was at least interesting, if not actually good. Yeah. <laughs> what an experience. Charlene, what have you been doing since during the pandemic lockdown? I know your new book's out in January. Are you going to be able to um, go out on tour? I know you're not, you're kind of what, iffy on book tours? I'm I'm iffy now. Uh, I have some mobility problems. Uh, I have pretty severe arthritis, and uh, touring is can be quite uncomfortable for me. Right. Um, I do want to support the book as much as I can because uh, I'm just a kind of a team player, and I like to help my publisher make as much of the books as possible. But I'm getting to the point where I'm going. If people don't know who I am by now, when are they? 
<laughs> and that's that's the point of touring, right? Yeah. 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 I just okay. think, you know, they know who I am. They'll they buy it or they won't, you know. They they definitely do. Okay, so to the other ladies, can we talk about guilty pleasures for a moment? Personally, I don't see why we have to feel guilty about pleasure. That's just me. Unless if it's legal and we're consenting adults. <laughs> but is there anything I want to know if there's anything, you know, absurd that you find joy in indulging in during these pandemic days? Say, I don't know, online shopping for a country estate. Who would do that? That's weird. <laughs> Let's start. <laughs> Charlene, have you had any kind of um, guilty pleasures you're indulging in these days? It's yes. I'm exaggerating my permanent guilty pleasure. When I finally started making more than uh, subsistence level money writing, I made up my mind I would buy any book I wanted to buy. And that's what I do. I buy books. I I don't go to the library. I donate a lot of books to the library. Right. I just buy whatever book I want to buy. And oh my gosh, have I bought books? (laughs) Isn't that that, that's cool? Great answer. That's awesome. And you're reading how many books a week? Because I've seen your blog. You'd like a manic reader, girl. I am. Uh, But that's really all I do. Uh, I write and I read. That's what I do. Um, probably five books a week. Wow. Whoa. I'm so wow. jealous. Now we're going to awesome. ask. Awesome. We're going to ask. Well, I say they were long books, you know. <laughs> so awesome, though. Okay. Now, um, Kristen, what, what's your kind of guilty pleasure these days? Well, I knew you were going to ask this, so I brought a visual aid. You guys, I have a problem. I keep shopping for boots. Like, what's wrong with me? I mean, they're beautiful, right? They're beautiful. They are. um, You guys, I live in Florida. It's 87 degrees here. It will be 87 degrees for the foreseeable future. And I'm not going anywhere anyhow. Like, what is my problem? <laughs> but that's I it. Sure that's my <laughs> Hashtag cute boots. Okay, Patty Henry, we kind of already have a, those of us who know Patty and are on the morning uh, text chains kind of know what Patty's guilty pleasure is. So I'll, I'll tell you a bit. I got to tell you, um, I've been okay about it. Not okay, but not as sad as I was in the beginning of the p- pandemic. And I was running errands today and this country, I love country music and this con- new country song came on and I knew we were deep into the pandemic when the song is about the pandemic. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's called, it's called six feet apart. Yeah. And, and this, these lyrics came up and I sat in the parking lot of the public boohooing. It said, <laughs> I miss my mom. I miss my dad. I miss the road. I miss my band. <laughs> Giving hugs and shaking hands. I was like, that's us. Better than six feet under. Yeah, six feet apart is called. But my guilty pleasure is I do, a part of my research is takes place in England. And I I fell down about a two hour rabbit hole looking for stone cottages in England. How much are they? Do they have central heat and air? How many people could I have come visit me? What can we do over there? But guilty pleasure is definitely um, planning on trips and thinking about trips. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can wear my.
my boots to your cottage. Yes, you can. <laughs> and you can bring all your boots for all of us. It's like 17 suitcases worth, but I'm in. Yes. <laughs> What's your guilty pleasure these days? <laughs> Mary Alice, I'm, I I have a visual aid. This is my guilty pleasure. <laughs> Aww. I swear. Yeah, I swear. I mean, my other one, Cosmo, by the way, is in dog show and he came in first the other day and he came right. in second today. So my, but I just sometimes just brush him and hold. It's like a therapy, you know, when you have anxiety to stroke. You all have dogs, you know, when you hold your dog and you just. It's this my guilty pleasure, and I, I I'm always buying something for the dogs. You know, it's just my poor husband. He wants to be loved as much as my dogs. Christy, <laughs> <laughs> what's your what's your guilty pleasure? So it's funny that you ask this this week because all I have been doing this week so far is planning trips, and I mean not just planning them, like booking them. And you know, it takes an extraordinary amount of time, like the right. tickets and the hotel and the rental car and the blah blah blah. And then like one for my family, and what's Will's family gonna do with us? And then we're gonna go see, and it's all for like 2022 because like I don't know what we're gonna do. And my husband's like, this yeah. is. Crazy. But I'm like, no, I need to know that it's happening. It's happening. I called my parents and I was like, I found this really great trip for us to go on Thanksgiving. And they were like, this year? And I was like, no, 2022. And dad was like, no, you mean 2021. And I was like, no, 2022. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God. Okay. Go ahead. Uh, you know what I do? Um, mine is shopping um, online auctions. For art, art and antiques. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. No, there's one called I Gabble that I like. That's kind of my, you know, my antique porn that I do. Okay, so Charlene, I can't wait to talk to you about the Gunny Rose series. Um, the newest one is a longer fall, but you know, um, I had I was new to all of this, and I'm sort of not good about reading outside my particular genre. Mm -hmm. So I read the first in the Gunny series, which is called An Easy Death, and was I told you in an email, I was blown away. Thank it's, you. It's like, um, would it be bad of me to say that there's a lot of a big Charles, I mean, um, a Portis vibe to this, True Grit? Oh, no. I, no, I don't think that's... Uh, whether or not I agree with the accuracy of it, that's a compliment. I mean, it's a Western. It takes place in this, you know, newly imagined 1930s America where Franklin Roosevelt has been assassinated and the United States is broken up into weird parts. Would you kind of give us, a, and that's the first one. So would you give us a little elevator pitch about the second one, which is the one that's currently out a longer fall? Okay, this is um, a Western, an alternate America Western with wizards. Right. Awesome. Cool. Ah, uh, the California is now the Holy Russian Empire. And uh, the Gunny Rose is a very accurate gun woman. She's 19 years old. Uh, she's really a whiz at what she does. And she they, she gets hired for protection uh, of cargo and people when they are 
being smuggled or transported from one new area of America to another. That's how she makes her living. Wow. Wow. That sounds amazing. And she yeah. and she's 19 years old, right? When the book yeah. when the series starts. Right. Yeah. Right. And then and the third one that'll be out in January is called The Russian Cage, right? Yep, the Russian Cage. Okay. And it's uh that part that one takes place in California, formerly California. <laughs> where her um, where her Russian prince slash lover is from lives, right? Yes. Eli. Eli. Awesome. Okay, so um, we're going to take turns asking questions of Charlene and Patty. I think <laughs> okay, I'm ready. All right, ready? <laughs> and I have a really deep, in-depth question. But before I ask it, everyone wants to know your dog's name. Oh, uh, well, yeah, the barky one is Colt. And the one who you saw at length, the, the corgi-looking one, is Abigail. Uh, we've brought Abigail from the pound, and Colt was wandering around my daughter's parking lot at, in college, and she brought him. Of course, she left him with us. Um, <laughs> so we've had Colt for ten years now. Wow! Wow! He's probably about twelve. Oh. Yeah. Everybody keeps asking about your dog's name, so but I actually have a real question. Okay. So, a lot of women authors start out writing fairy tales when they're young. I know I did. I was always writing imaginary stories and mm -hmm. the girls could turn into something else and they could sneak through little doors. But I read that you weren't writing fairy tales in fourth grade. You were writing ghost stories. I was. So really appropriate during the month of Halloween. Talk to us about your interest in the supernatural that goes all that way back. Are you a believer in the supernatural or are you just a chronicler? Talk to us. Tell us something. I, I'm on the sidelines about whether or not this is actually real. I think mm. it's interesting to imagine it being real. Yeah. I don't think I want to meet a real vampire, though. People have been in my signing line and told me they were. Oh, gosh. Oh, my. Okay. What did you <laughs> Let me see it. <laughs> like, run them out. <laughs> werewolves, and I'm going, okay, change. But, <laughs> but security. In, interestingly, that never did happen. Uh, I believe I believe in ghosts. I believe that people do see ghosts. Uh, I think animals and little children see them more than anybody else. But I'm not so sure about the Loch Ness monster. <laughs> I don't know if if any of you have yet read uh, Max Brooks's Devolution, but it's a very scary Bigfoot book. Oh, uh, and I I just finished that, so I'm thinking really hard about that one. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just like the things that you don't see. Yeah, yeah, and I think it's interesting because you're really a, a, a spiritual person, right? I, I, I am involved with your church, and that's your happy place. Yeah, very much so. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty serious about that. Uh, I just, and it's been so hard not being able to go during oh, the pandemic. Yeah. Right. We had parking lot church where we would go sit in the parking lot and we could hear, listen to the service on the radio. Uh, but great. now now we're getting to go back in, and I think that's great. Yeah. I don't think uh, 
being a spiritual person, well, spiritual, um, precludes believing in spirits. I don't. <laughs> Not at all. I'm Irish. We believe in everything. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we're, extremely, we're extremely superstitious, all of that. So here's a question that I have been thinking a lot about. Now, Charlene, you write female characters frequently who seem tough, like Gunny Rose, but they've been broken and they're vulnerable. I know that your Lily Bard series character is a rape survivor, which is something you've said was inspired by your own life. Could you talk a little bit about empowering those characters as you did yourself to deal with the rape and, and how that was just a deliberate decision on your part, which I think is such a generous decision too, not to keep it, you know, locked up inside. And I love how you wrote about using your writing to clean out the dark spaces. I love that, I love that line. Yeah. I love it. That's, I think all of us do that to a certain extent, Absolutely. Uh, maybe consciously and um, literally uh, to write about what's happened to us or maybe use metaphors for things that have wounded us really deeply. Um, I have always felt it certainly changed my life completely because I felt so grateful to live mm. so profoundly thankful. Um, and I thought, I am strong enough to get through this. So many people are not, and they stay silent. But I want anyone who thinks they can speak about it to say, this happened to me, and I am not ashamed. Yeah. It is not my, not my shame that this happened. It is the shame of the person who did this to me, and I will not let him pull me down. Right. So true. Powerful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's so great to 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 bring people, to bring women especially out of the shadows of guilt and shame and into the and into the daylight. And, and what I love is that you give your characters, your fictional characters, power. That's what I love. Oh, you know, don't we all need some of that? Yeah. We all do. Yeah, like Elizabeth. Elizabeth Rose um, is is a badass. She is. I, you know, I've, I realized a couple of years ago that I really enjoyed movies where women shot a lot of men. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept thinking, oh, I like this movie. What did I like about it? And I thought, <laughs> she killed a lot of guys in that movie. And I thought, what does that say about me? Uh, <laughs> And for a while, I, that bothered me. And then I thought, oh, what the heck? You know? <laughs> so I thought, why, why don't I ever write about women who do that? So I, I did. <laughs> and I, I love how um, in an easy death, every, I mean, Elizabeth, I don't even know what Elizabeth's body count is in that first book. It's pretty high. Yep. Each time she thinks about it. And she makes a decision, a conscious decision. This person needs to die. Or, you know, in one scene, she, she, she belts a woman across the face with the stock of her rifle instead of killing her. She just needs that woman out of the way. She decides she won't kill her. <laughs> and, I, and I like that you give her that power. Well, I, maybe it's the power 
we all feel like we would want, but we don't really, or maybe we would really enjoy it. <laughs> I'm kind of just exploring the the ideas through Lisbeth. I love that. I love that. Um, Christy has a question for you. Yes. Um, so you have the most incredible world building skills. For instance, the Gunny Rose series, which you've kind of mentioned, is set in a post-apocalyptic Wild West-like setting of alternative history in a world where FDR has been assassinated, his VP has died of influenza, and the U.S. has fractured into foreign-ruled empires like the Holy Russian Empire in California. So how does one construct a yeah. world like this? I mean, it just... It blows my mind. I can't imagine. You know, it's, uh, I think this is where experience helps. Mm -hmm. My first big world building was with Sookie. And I just built her world piecemeal because for her to be the person she was, her world had to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. And that's really how I go about it. I start with the person I want to write about. Mm -hmm. And then construct the world to let her do what I want her to do. And that's the way it always works out. I I know people who have done worked on a world for four years and I'm going, when are you going to write the book? Yeah. There's, it's like uh, starting to research wolves when you're writing about werewolves and two hours later, you're Mm -hmm. watching wolves in Yellowstone park. Uh, You go, what? How did this happen? <laughs> I'm raising this my hand. Like, oh, yeah. yeah, it's it's really going down rabbit holes. Yeah. Uh, just uh, you just think, and how ma- how many cottages in Britain could I rent at a time? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> All right, that was unkind. That was unkind. That was right at you, Patty. <laughs> I took it like right here. I get it. <laughs> I raised my hand. I get it. Kristen um, has a question for you too. Oh, Mary Alice, you want to go first? Sure. Kristen and I are both your biggest fans, truly. We <laughs> Thank like, you. You know, we are. And I know that um, the Sookie Stackhouse series was so popular. It, it was it, it spawned this huge series. Now, there are television series, but then there was True Blood. You know, and it was a time when all of us, you knew, everyone you knew was watching that show at same time. And when that music started that we heard at the beginning tonight, thank you, Mary Kay, it really kind of brought it back. And I thought, wow, first of all, what does it feel? You mentioned a little bit about that world and how it was so different to have a series like that. But as the author and the creator, you have to move on. We never wanted that series to end. Yeah. You know, we were like, no, just give us one more season. (laughs) And yet you're probably like, okay, I want to get on to something else now. How do you make that transition? How do you feel like, are you letting down your fans? Do you feel that? Are you just like, no, I'm moving forward. How do you handle that? I think it's, it would be irresponsible, excuse me, irresponsible of me to keep on uh, writing a series when I lost my gusto for it. Yeah. Uh, I think that is letting your readers down, right. uh, giving them less yeah. than your best. Uh, I had kind of reached a point where I was thinking, how much longer can I do this? Because as you can imagine, it was very stressful. Mm-hmm. Uh, the expectations and the uh, the touring and the interviews and so on 
which are privileges, and I was grateful, but also took away a lot from my real life. Right, yeah. So mm-hmm. I just right. thought, I got three more books. That's going to be it. Yeah. And so I, I made that decision. And, you know, my, of course, my publisher wasn't happy because they wanted to keep on publishing those forever. Yeah. And I could, I understood that. But at the same time, I just felt that was the contract I have with readers is to do my best. Right. And that, you know, after that, it wouldn't have been my best. So it wasn't a very popular move with anyone in the world but me and possibly <laughs> my family. But uh, I called it quits on the 13th book. Yeah. That's a lot of books. That's no, a lot. Yeah. Like, yeah. did not book. short anybody. Really yeah. Yeah. Was there any symbolism in the number thirteen? I, I was going to say no. Ah. That was just how it worked out. But I thought you that ran was out of gas. Great. Yeah, you ran out of gas. I ran, but also, I I ran out of you gas. To do more. I, I, you had other ideas. I'll bet that you wanted to. Oh yeah, sure. Uh, though the, you know, I. I you probably don't even know this, but someone uh, published the ending of the book before the book came out. I didn't know it. And it no, was just, it was just a, excuse me, uh, shit storm. It was terrible, terrible, yes. terrible, terrible. My uh, heart just rolled. I've never heard of that. Yeah. I just got such an avalanche of hate. Um, oh, that's awful. They're your characters. That's, I, yeah. You know, I'm it was sorry. it was a very tough time. Very tough. Yeah. Uh, all those people who loved me, loved me, loved me, just hated me, hated me, hated me. Oh no! And I just had to, you know, I had to learn to toughen up quite a bit. Yeah. Oh my goodness! I'm so I did. Sorry. I did not know that. Oh yeah. I count that as one of the worst things that ever happened to me. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well. You know, speaking of people who love you, love you, love you, I was always in that camp. And and Sean, I'm serious. Wait, wait, wait. You, you, you don't believe me, but Sean, I believe there's photographic evidence of my Halloween costume. From, that, this so was, cool. that was that was 11 years ago. I was Sookie Stackhouse for Halloween, the year I was 30, which was probably too old to be dressing like Sookie Stackhouse, honestly. No, no. <laughs> there I am as Sookie. And so now my secret's out. I'm a crazy big True Blood fan. But, um, oh, let me show you. Let me show you here. This is my vial of true blood. Oh, oh my goodness. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, this was one of the promo items that they gave out at the premiere in the press kits. Uh, it says true blood synthetic. <laughs> synthetic blood. It's not really mine. Good. Uh, <laughs> this product is guaranteed to be 100% effective. Charlene, if only if only I'd known you eleven years ago, that would have helped with the Halloween costume. That's right. It would have. You would have looked so authentic. Was it that long ago? No, don't don't say it was that long ago. What the true that true blood was on and that the books were out. Yeah, that was that that costume was from two thousand nine, and I think that was a a couple years into the series. Yeah. Wow. If I'm remembering, time go. Yeah. Yeah. Crazy. If Um, only I had had a percentage of the merchandising. (laughs) No, I know. Sorry, I'll I'll send you like the dollar pro. You know, proceeds from that shirt in the mail. <laughs> so um you so can Shirley, send her books 
books and then she won't have to buy yours. So, that's there right. You, you know what? I'll send you the book of lost names. You'll, yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, um, Charlene, I wanted to ask you a question that we like to ask our guests every week. Um, we're always so interested in how a writer develops from the very beginning. Could you talk a little bit about what the values in your household were when you were growing up when it came to reading and writing? My parents valued reading above anything else. Oh. They were both avid readers. Uh, they read aloud to me and my brother. They were always reading themselves, which I think is the best example you can set for your children and grandchildren. Yeah. is to show them that you yourself yeah, uh, revere the written word. Uh, they read, I read, they bought me books when I couldn't get enough from the library to read. They never told me I couldn't be a writer, which is pretty valuable. Yeah. yeah. Uh, my brother was uh, quite a reader, too. And we just grew up reading. And I thought, I gradually came to think, you know, that's the best thing in the world to do. That was all I ever wanted to do. Yeah. And I began to feel that I could do that. That's awesome. yeah. Don't don't you think you know yeah. Oh, yeah. when that's something? Oh, yeah. You can do it. You think yeah. I can do that. Yeah. And if eventually uh I married Hal, who is my second husband of 42 years, and uh he gave me the option of staying home instead of going to work and mm -hmm. bought me and this was real high tech, uh an electric typewriter for oh, a big deal. Oh. it was wonderful. Charlene, that is a big that's deal. Amazing. Was it a selectric? <laughs> It was a you know, I think it was. I know. I'm showing my age. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It had a cartridge that you popped into it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, I wrote my first two books on that. Yeah. Back when yeah. cut and paste meant cut and paste. <laughs> yes. Oh, golly. I never will forget the stress of typing a clean copy to send to the publisher. Oh, yeah. <sighs> Yes, whiteout. I don't think kids know what whiteout is anymore. <laughs> so, Charlene, we, uh, so many um, people on the uh, Friends and Fiction Facebook page have been posting questions for you. So, we're going to ask you some that were posted ahead of time. Mary Alice, you've got yeah, one. I do. Lisa Harrison writes that she loved the Midnight Texas series, and the NBC show. She asks if you had anything to do with casting, and Christina Wilt wants to know whether there will be any more books in the Midnight series. Okay, two questions about one series. I like that. Uh, I had nothing to do with the casting. I never do. Uh, they have a casting director who is in charge of that, and no one ever asked me what I think. Uh, let me just put that out there. Uh, and usually I'm really happy because it can't be the person who most looks like your imaginary character. It has to be the best actor. Yeah. Uh, and I wish there would be more of the TV show. I was really very disappointed when it was canceled. Uh, and my publisher, uh, there they go again. Uh, my publisher. My ears. Yes. Yeah. My publisher has not asked me for any more midnight books, so there you have it. <laughs> 
Christy, you've got a question for um, Charlene. Yes. So Anissa Joy Armstrong wants to know what inspires you to keep writing such great books after 30 plus (laughs) years in the business? Uh, I believe in always trying my best to write the best book I possibly can. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's our our contract with the reader, I think, not Mm -hmm. to try to please them, but to try to write the best book that we possibly can write. Uh, Sometimes I I achieve my goal, and I think that's the best I can do. If you don't like it, I'm sorry, that's it. Uh, Sometimes I feel like I didn't hit my mark, but I tried as hard as I could, and that has to be worth something. Can we record that and play it on a loop? Like yeah. I know. <laughs> Sorry, I did my best. And that's that's so I mean, that's so wise. I feel like that's such a struggle. It's like what everyone's gonna think. And you're so right. You can't control that. You can't control that and you can't anticipate it and you can't write yeah. for that reason. Yeah. Yeah. People said, Do you do you always try to write what your fans want? And I'm going, No, how do I know? <laughs> yeah. Good advice. Okay, so Patty has pulled what a couple questions, right, Patty? Off people are posting as we're talking. Yeah, people are posting like crazy. So whatever you were talking about, that the people who loved, loved, loved you, hate, hate, hated you. I, I don't believe you because you you have like a love fest going on over here. <laughs> yeah, see, I've fallen in love with you in the last thirty minutes. Um, one thing I do want to shout out before I ask another question that's been posted live is a woman named Sharon Carlson person is drinking with you ladies tonight because her birthday is tomorrow. Oh, happy happy birthday. Birthday. Hey. Cheers to Sharon. Oh, hey, Sharon. Cheers. Happy birthday. It's so, good job, but it'll suffice. Yeah. So Cindy Hall, a woman named Cindy Hall asked, how do you keep track of all the details of these many worlds, charts, scrapbooks, detailed notes. How do you keep track of this? Okay. The, the bullet answer is not very well. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, uh, the longer answer is that for the Sookie books, I finally uh, asked one of my dear readers who was, who has honestly the most photographic memory I've ever encountered if she would do a Bible for me about the Suki books. And uh, if I got stuck, I could email her and say, wait, uh, what book was Edgar in? And she could say, oh, he was in the fourth book, fifth chapter. You know, and I would go, oh, you're wonderful. Um, And now uh, I'm trying to keep uh, a good account of all my characters. My assistant, Paula, uh, is is doing the Gunny Rose books for me. Yep. And I'm going to get to write two more Gunny Rose books. Oh, good. Yeah. I was pretty happy about that. Yeah. Uh, so Paula's been keeping track of that for me. I make notes in a notebook as I go along, but I'm anything but consistent. I'm always working. I don't know about you all. I'm always working on my writing method, thinking someday I will 
hit on the <laughs> The perfect way. The perfect way. And everyone seems to think it gets easier the more no. books you write. It doesn't. Thank you for saying that. Oh, I, especially this week, I'm under deadline and I'm dying a thousand deaths. So to hear you say that makes my heart. Oh, yes. Now, it's that for all of us. Everyone is convinced by the time they've read the book the fourth or fifth time. That it's the worst book they ever wrote. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. and then, yeah. And I worry every time I send one into my editor, I worry that he's going to say, No, I finally understand. We're going to unmask you. You can't write. I yeah. think that too. Always. Yeah. 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 The syndrome is real. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. get easier. For women, yeah. especially, I think. I think yep. we suffer. Yep. We suffer. For, I don't know. Maybe that's a sexist thing to say, but I. I think we all suffer from yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. I like to be not terrified of it. Why bother? So imposters. But I think we all just really, I think everyone I'm looking at you all, everyone here really cares that it is the best book we wrote. Absolutely. Yeah. We, we're not tossing books out. We really care. Absolutely. And so that's where the fear comes in a little bit. Yeah. Patty, yeah. you have another question to pull? Um, Kristen, you want to grab one? Sure. Yeah. Um, Shelly Marsh says, oh, actually, before I read that, though, I wanted to say we have two readers. One, um, Andrea Piles, that we named our cat Sookie Stackhouse because oh. we love the series. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, oh. and Donna Ramsey Sexton says we had cats named Sookie and Eric. So there you go. So we have a reader named Shelly Marsh who says, Charlene, can you tell us about how your transition from traditional mysteries into supernatural subject matter? came about? Oh, good question. Well, um, I got tired of writing with the restrictions that were on mysteries then. Uh, they no longer pertain now, thank goodness. Right. But there were lots of, uh, as Kathy uh, knows, right. there were so many limitations on mysteries then. And I, I couldn't figure out the reason for them. I thought, surely readers wouldn't mind a little bit different. Yeah. Some of them did. Um <laughs> But I, I thought, I just want to write something that has everything in it, yeah. everything, you know, a vampire, a werewolf, uh, uh, just uh, maybe even a sex scene, um, just everything I've ever wanted to try just to see if I could do it. Yeah. And my agent did not, was not a big fan of, the, of Dead Until Dark, and uh, he, it took him two years to sell it. Wow. wow. 32nd printing now. Wow. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. wow. Hey, Charlene, did I read that you sold that for $5,000? Is that the? Is that right? That the first? That sounds right. I think wow. I read that somewhere that that book sold for $5,000. Now you could, sell the, you could sell the first edition of that book probably for $5,000. For one book, yeah. Exactly. It was a paperback original, so I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, the price went up pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> That's when you know it's working. I thought, oh, I did something right. <laughs> <laughs> you were doing it right a long time before then. It just took the rest of the world to catch up with you. Yes. Okay, so now we've been talking about writing. Um, we're hoping that you will give us all a writing tip so we can tap into your brain. <laughs> we want that. Oh, Okay. 
first, the most important rule is finish the book. That's right. I, I've known so many writer wannabes, or if that I don't mean that to sound disrespectful. No, it's not. Uh, who say, oh, I started a book and I got about 40 pages into it. Then I had a better idea. So I dropped that when I started writing it. And I thought, yeah, anybody can start a book. <laughs> you, you, you know you're a writer when you can finish one. That is the, that is the sure test is finishing. Another thing is when you come to a, a point and you are roadblocked, usually to me, it means, oh, and they're going to growl and bark again. Uh, usually to me, it means that I made a mistake in the previous 10 or 20 pages. And if I go back and correct that mistake, then it will flow smoothly. Yeah. Right. That's great advice. Abigail. We're right. used to it. Go out and bark. Don't <laughs> bark inside. Outside voices. Give it. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> one more. I haven't heard that in a long time. Outside, outside voices. voices. Give us one more thing, Charlene, because people are hanging on what you're telling them. I I, I know we all I am. Mm-hmm. Yep. Taking notes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Um, well, I always say when you're in doubt about what to do next, kill someone. <laughs> and that's the beauty of mysteries. <laughs> oh, I know. There you go. Okay. Can we just talk girl to girl? Sure. <laughs> Can you talk about sex scenes? Well, I always wanted to see if I could write one. And I don't lo- I didn't want to have multiple sex scenes in a book because that's not the kind of book I write. But if I wrote one, I wanted it to be good. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's no, anybody can write a bad sex scene. You know, I've read some that, you know, kind of put me in stitches, but I thought, no, I want this to be good. Uh, Maybe I overdid that a little bit because I would get people in my signing lines who would say, me and my boyfriend wait for your books to come and then we do everything that's in. And I'm going, (laughs) you know, don't really know what to say. Nobody ever said that to me. I was was just like, thanks. I don't know. Okay. Awesome. I find, I mean, I was reading the, and not that there were that many of them in um, An Easy Death, but I just found them um, appropriate. Like when that moment happened, there was a slow burn. And then, and then um, Elizabeth talked about what she wanted. That's awesome. I liked yeah, I like, well, her and her, the sex scenes in there are very different from the ones in True Blood because different people right. are are telling the story. Right. And Lisbeth is, is very uh, plain spoken and straightforward and not flirty, not, not at all. I mean, she doesn't even know how. No. So I think that gives her sex scenes a, a different... Uh, Mm, yeah, they're just a whole different experience. She's kind of a feral creature in a little bit, in a, in a little bit of a way. Yes, yes. I thought. She's very close to to her feelings, and she conceals a lot of them. Right. She doesn't have much to say. No. Thank <laughs> God, you know. 
<laughs> okay. Um, so we did the writing tips. Uh, we're going to talk about book recommendations. And uh, Christy's got a book recommendation she can't wait to talk about. I do. Um, so a book that just came out yesterday. It's called Good Night Beautiful. I think, yes, by Amy Malloy. Um, she's the New York Times bestselling author of The Perfect Mother. And um, this is a really incredible story about um, this newlywed sort of perfect couple and what happens when the husband disappears. So um, yeah, y'all should definitely check it out. It's a great one. Um, and you know, perfect for right now. It's a good Halloween so story. Right? <laughs> Charlene, I know uh, on Charlene's uh, blog, Charlene Harris, <coughs> she, she's so great about, um, posting all the books she's been right, reading and loving. Charlene, uh, I saw you posted something pretty recently about something you love really recently. Could you talk about that a tiny bit? Sure. Though I'm not sure which one. I'm not either. I just know you're just like so great about sharing that. I love that. Oh, well, nobody reads one book a year. No, but you're, <laughs> you're very generous about letting people know what you've loved. Oh, okay. There we go. Oh, what a gorgeous cover. Isn't that beautiful? I'm a big fan of Naomi Novik's. And uh, this is a different series of hers. It's like a much grimmer Harry Potter. Much much grimmer. It was really, really good. And also The Angel of the Crows. Catherine Adams. It is. It's very good too. That's great. That's great. great. Recommendation. Okay, so um, Christy is. It's over to Christy for announcements. Yes. Um, so the the Friends in Fiction Book Club. If you guys have not joined our Friends in Fiction Book Club group on um, Facebook please do. They do an incredible job. It's a wonderful book club. Um, and this Monday evening or next Monday evening, October 19th at 7 PM, um, the book of the month is Patty Henry's becoming Mrs. Lewis. Um, this is one of my favorite books. So if you haven't read it, you guys have to, it is absolutely, I remember reading it and do you ever read a book and like you'll read a sentence and you like have to hug the book a little bit. Yeah, it was one of those books that, and I was reading it by the pool. So I looked really ridiculous. Cause I'd be, I had like an advanced copy and I'd be reading it and it had like sunscreen on it. So I'd be like, hugging the book. um, but I'm a nerd. So anyway, sorry, that's why I'm here, I guess. But um, this was a huge passion project of Patty's and she cannot wait to chat with all of you about her fascinating research and hear your questions. So don't miss that Monday at 7 PM. Oh, and also, Sean, um, can you cue up a graphic? Because we just hit 20. Thank you all for coming. We're so happy. We cannot believe it, you guys. This is amazing. Um, Share with your friends. Have them come join us, too. So we're really excited. And we know you're going to want to join us next week when our friend Mary Alice is going to be hosting New York Times bestselling writer Elizabeth You're going to love her. No, I'm just echoing you, Christy. Yes, Elizabeth Berg. We are all so excited. If you haven't read her books, get ready. She is she is absolutely charming. She'll be your new BFF, I promise. No, I love it. Yeah. And in her new book, I'll be seeing you. <laughs> 
Shameless. Shameless. <laughs> right. Elizabeth's new book, I'll Be Seeing You, is going to be out October 27th. So hopefully we'll be talking about that. Mm -hmm. And, you know. <laughs> Um, that is our show for tonight. Oh, thank you. Had a wonderful time. Thank, thank you. Yeah, it was so good to meet you, Charlene. You're so fun. We loved having Charlene with us tonight. And um having our our one of I know Charlene and I share a real love for murder by the book. They are yes. They supported me when I was Nobody. Me too. Um, yeah. I mean, the first book tour I went on in 1992, when my first mystery came out, they sent me to Murder by the Book and Dean James, who, yeah, another one of our, our dear, dear friends took us to, I mean, the, the ritual was you would go out for um, Tex-Mex and margaritas, right, Charlene? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> and I'll tell you what, oh, I didn't we have enough that. money for a hotel, and Martha Farrington let me stay at her house. Oh, oh wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So, so everybody buy a book tonight for Murder by the Book. Yes, yes. please. And, you know, this week is um, that A-word uh, place. <laughs> and so, um, indie bookstores, indie bookstores are uh, really trying to encourage people instead of ordering books, downloading books from that A place, um, <laughs> order books from indies, not just murder by the book, but your local indies, these that are, you know, in your community. So that's it for tonight. We want to thank Charlene. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Yeah. Oh, thank you for being with us tonight. Fun. For so book, being our bookseller, but most of all, we want to thank all of you, all 20,000 plus of you yeah. for coming together with us on Wednesday nights for Friends and Fiction, and we are out oh. like a trope. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, Charlene. You're amazing. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye, Bye everybody. <laughs> Oh, she was amazing. She was so fun. Oh my this gosh. Is, this is one of those times, just like last week, that I think, oh man, if we were just all in the same room. Right. Yes. Yes. Right. It's just. Well, maybe we can make that happen someday. Yeah. Once COVID stuff is over. But yeah. she's just, yeah. I'll go ahead and book everyone's tickets. They're fully refundable. <laughs> 2022. Do here we not come. Worry. <laughs> I'll book the English tickets. You book the American <laughs> tickets. We'll be I'll, I'll bring what? the boots. Or if you'll just go ahead and buy the house, Patty, I'll book the tickets. Okay. I'll buy the, I'll we buy wear the same size shoe. So just bring them to the We have to find out what shoes we wear. Yeah. Um, I just, I, I'm not six a and a half. Anybody? Yeah, <laughs> more. I brought more. I like that. Oh, I like this. I don't. I really like the the leopard ones, though. If you could, I call those dead. <laughs> I'm still wearing. I'm still wearing flip flops up here in Atlanta. I'm Me too. I mean, that that's why the boots are insanity. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> One of my best one of my best friends lives in Lauderdale, 
And she buys boots so that once a year when she comes up north, she can wear boots. Because right. you know, who wears boots in Fort Lauderdale? Well, and I mean, Kristen, you Fort Orlando. your AC and just wear them around your house. You're not going anywhere anyway. So just, I'm not. You know, when I was in Austin, I bought those big, gorgeous, colorful mm-hmm. boots from those big, you know, cowboy boot kind of things. I love them, but I... I don't have many places to wear them. Do y'all, everyone has a pair, right? Yeah, I love yeah. We got to go to Nashville or something so yeah. I can. Have I wear mine all the time. Like, do you? Know? Yeah, really. Mm-hmm. I wear my cowboy boots. Yeah, yeah. I wear mine all the time. Well, I'm Jeez. pulling mine out. And yeah, yeah. I wear my cowboy boots. I have foot issues. <laughs> well, well, yeah, I am dreading. When she said that about writing her way out of the dark, mm-hmm. I was like, was I feel incredible. like I want to put that quote somewhere. It reminded me the research I was doing for another book. C.S. Lewis has this quote about um, how ink is the cure for all ills. Oh, that you should you can write your way through things, and it made me think of that when she said that. You know that that we can use it for that. That was really. That was powerful of her to share all of that. It was. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I emailed her ahead of time uh, because when I was, you know, doing research to ask her, she had talked about it in an early interview to ask her if, if she would mind talking about it. And she said, well, it's not her usual thing, but she felt like um, women needed to be able awesome. to talk about it and not feel ashamed about it. Yeah. Well, that's a kind of power that uh, a, yeah. that she has. Yeah. I remember Pat Conroy always talked about his um, the mental illness in his family, mm-hmm. and everyone was felt so right. comfortable and also free to go get help. And that's exactly what Charlene yeah. was doing as well. Mm-hmm. She's giving it a name. She's voicing it, and lets people say, "I I can get help. I'm okay." And you know, one thing about Charlene that I've known since the beginning is. Um, from the very beginning, she's been such a generous person. Um, You know, she would, she would collaborate with other authors, um, even from the very beginning. And, and that's really such a great thing. Like, you know, I talked about my little essay in the newsletter this week about women collaborating and commiserating and communicating. And, and, and I think that's one of the things that I, I really love about Charlene is that she's always done that. She's always, you know, she's had friends in the writing community and she's helped lift them up. She's collaborated. And that's the sign, really the sign of a, of a wonderful open heart. And that's part of, I think about her, her willingness to write about her own experience and, Mm -hmm. and to, and to share it, you know, through the lens of fiction. Cause like in, um, the first book in her Gunny Rose series, which I, I, I really, I did not expect to love it, but I did. Um, um, her character, uh, who is a 19-year-old professional gunslinger in the 1930s in, the, in a um, dystopian place called Texoma, um, there, her job with these other with this crew of gunslingers is helping people escort them into a safer place. And everybody, these people that they're that they're transporting, um, they get ambushed, and and uh, Elizabeth is basically kind of the only survivor. Wow. So she she witnesses um, 
she witnesses a rape and um, shoots the rapist. There um, you go. That's one way to bring your man. I don't want to sound too dark, but these, I mean, there's, uh, she has great humor her, in her books if you've not read them. I mean, um, there's some dark stuff, but there's a Actually, a lot of funny stuff. Too. Balances it out. And that's the secret, isn't it? To balance it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah she does it very well. But she's a, she's just, I was in awe of her to meet her because it's the yeah. first time tonight that I met her. Yeah. But she's a hoot. She's yeah, wonderful. Really fun. Yeah. She's she really fun. And really makes you feel right at ease. I can see why yeah. everyone in the audience loved her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And her dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's a real deal. Well, girls, I'm going to say good night. I, I love you all. Good luck with your deadline. Thank you. Thank, thank you. Bye. Kathy, thank you for tonight. That was awesome. Great it was job. a fun night. Great I love the throw. I love the throw. Thanks, Sean. Thanks for all your behind the Yeah, Sean. Thanks, too. Okay, guys. Bye, everybody. Bye, You've been listening to the Friends and Fiction Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the Friends and Fiction podcast wherever you listen. And if you're enjoying it, leave a review. You can find the Friends and Fiction authors at www.friendsandfiction.com, as well as on the Facebook group page, Friends and Fiction. Come back soon, okay? There are still lots of books, writing tips, interviews, publishing news, and bookstores to chat about. Goodbye. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.